Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Joining us is co-host Associate Hannah Garcia, and also joining is new co-host and also Associate Winnie Rodriguez. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hello. All right. Well, um, this will be likely one of my final shows. Not well. I'm gonna say that's too dramatic. One of the shows where I'm uh, maybe not on as much. And I'll recap. I'll still be doing our guest features where I interview different uh, community and civic leaders, business leaders of note. But the weekly recaps we're turning over to Hannah and Wendy. And with that, we'll uh, I'll turn it over to y'all. Yeah, off. we're we're taking over. Um... So um, just to begin, um, it's been a pretty, pretty hectic couple weeks, despite the fact that uh, council has been on their little vacation. And so I think one of the biggest things that we've seen that has been in the news recently is that the DPS partnership will be coming back July 2nd. Um, it kind of went away a couple weeks ago in um, early June because of um, related to the border, the governor sent back um, those DPS troops that were serving here in Austin and kind of helping the APD police. Um, he sent them back to the border, but now they're coming back. And so um, we've seen a lot of this stuff in the news. I think um, there's a lot of feelings on both sides about it. Um, and we've seen community groups recently demand a permanent end to the APD-DPS partnership. And even before they went back to the border, they were demanding that partnership to end. So we've seen groups like the Austin Justice Coalition, Grassroots Leadership, and the Texas Harm Reduction Alliance calling for a permanent end to this partnership. Um, and recently, they've been hosting meetings in communities most affected, which includes, you know, East Austin, uh, East Riverside, and Runberg. Yeah, Wendy, any thoughts on this? Yeah, no, you pretty much, yeah, summarized it perfectly. There, ha it's been like uh, just a kind of contentious uh, issue that kind of has divided. <laughs> uh, just also just with just the history of APD here in Austin since the. Uh, George Floyd protests back in 2020 and uh, just how it's like it's like a it's a complex on like just wanting to be like what safety means to communities to the city um for, for some people it's having police for other people it's not the police at all so it's kind of defining that and we definitely see that like difference in different communities and um here in especially like neighborhoods in Austin um so yeah it's just it's kind of kind of like you know we know right now there's not a lot of like the APD is not fully staffed and they're like response times like like we need more people out there to respond to those but also we also need a, people we can hold accountable who will go out to those communities. Yeah I agree and I think you know one of the news reports we saw earlier this year was that it was taking you know 20 minutes to respond to 911 calls and obviously that's an issue with safety um, you know violent crime isn't going to go away and, and we need those first responders to, you know, come when it does happen. And so um, I definitely think this is a complex issue because as you said, policing means, you know, policing and safety mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that, you know, there's groups that are out there, you know, supporting, you know, um, you know, one side of the group, but obviously, you know, the mayor made this decision and to go into the partnership because we don't have the staffing. Um, and so definitely going to watch to see how this plays out because of how many people it does affect in our community. No, 100%. And, you know, pivoting over to something a little um, more dry and technical, this is the housing and land use conversation. Um, obviously, affordable housing has been, you know, one of the number one topics at the Dias and Council for the past, what, like 10 years? <laughs> um, and so... Longer. Um, longer, yeah, you know, so 
it's it's been a it's been an uphill battle but one of the things that they've recently done is they kind of created a prioritization list of all of the current um, amendments kind of in the in the pipeline and so recently they approved kind of that prioritization list and kind of separated them out into like low medium high and ones that they want to keep going on their current timeline and so there's a lot of good things in there um, you know we've got the parking elimination we've got you know we're going to be looking at compatibility um, a new, you know, affordability unlocked and density bonuses are in there, um, as well as just some other minor fixes that I think um, the land development code, uh, you know, it's what, like 40 years old, almost maybe older. Uh, so it probably, that's 40, you know, yeah, same age as me. Yeah. <laughs> it was last revised. It was last revised in 1983. Yeah, right? It's 40. Yeah, it's it's, it's old as me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good to know. It's good to know. Um, but yeah, so it's obviously got some kinks in there. You know, you you don't touch something for forty years. It it needs some some fixes. So they're they're fixing some just little issues in there, as well as some overarching issues that are going to I think do a lot of great stuff. Uh, however, still a long way to go. Um, I think one of the conversations that has has been there is like, yeah, these are great. These are great amendments, and they they might seem like easy fixes on paper. For for example, the parking elimination. You know, you think you just X out a line it's actually, you know, embedded so deeply into this code that there's all of this stuff you have to kind of look at, see how it's going to affect other things. And so, um, you know, I have the utmost respect for uh, development services staff and everyone handling all of this stuff. Um, They're doing some of the greatest work in the city right now, I think. Um, but um, definitely shout out to them. They're, they're definitely working a very long hours right now to fix that stuff. But um, yeah, I think we've, we've got, um, a lot of stuff coming on the horizon in October, um, a lot of amendments coming, potentially uh, the parking elimination as well as compatibility and other great stuff coming this fall, hopefully before December. Um, but other than that, I think um, hopefully we, there, there's not more amendments kind of stuck in that pipeline, but I definitely think we're gonna see, see some more amendments uh, just added to that list. Uh, but I think, you know, once again, great to see council really attacking this head on you know mayor watson said this is the bias for, uh for action era and and he really really meant that uh did he yeah, say that he, did we say that i think he we he has a bias towards action i think did we say he has the bias towards action era yeah we coined it the bias towards action era <laughs> yeah well, that's what your credit work credit is do okay okay yeah yeah but uh, he, he has a bias towards he said he has a bias towards action as does interim city manager uh, garza no, and they really hit the ground running. I, um, you know, working with the previous council, I felt like we had time to kind of breathe sometimes and and figure things out. You know, obviously there was, you know, when you're sprinting, you're sprinting. But, you know, this is like every week, you know, we're getting um, new department heads or new programs or um, new amendments. Um, all this great stuff I think is coming coming through the pipeline. It's, it's just a lot. And um, I, I think I wasn't used to this with the city of Austin at least. Mm -hmm. Real quick, I want to tag our last show, episode 201, where uh, I spoke with uh, Jack Craver uh, regarding the changes that happened at City Hall this last six months. We'll put that one in the show notes, but to Hannah, to everything Hannah just said, a lot of the changes in City Hall um, kind of tie in a lot of what's been going on around land, land use changes and everything else, too. So more on that. Yeah, yeah. Wendy, any thoughts on on the affordability and LDC amendments? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's really nice to see action being taken. I mean, there has been action in the past, but with just the the dynamic that was council before the new council members that we have now and the new mayor, uh, there def it was definitely more just like 
halted just to not just to kind of was kind of like the topic of like the elephant in the room that just wants to be avoided but at least these are baby steps and they're actually leading to big step like big changes uh but yeah I agree there's definitely a long way ahead but it is refreshing to and reassuring to see that there's like the ball is rolling um for changes to come to the city yeah and I think a lot of people have always the question of the hour is you know are we going to get an LDC rewrite a complete rewrite and I think even if the council decided to do that you know in a perfect world that lawsuit doesn't exist it would still take you know the same amount of time maybe even more to get that through so I think you know they're doing the best they can given the current situation so uh, definitely looking forward to um, how it will affect housing prices in the future. Um, but yeah, excited to see that. And then moving on to something I think a little bit more controversial. It's definitely um, been a sore subject for some people, I think, and that's the Zilker vision plan. Mm -hmm. um, it's been in the news, I think, since about October when it was originally kind of released. And you know, we've seen a lot of people on both sides who love it, who hate it. And um, now on Instagram, we're starting to see a lot of accounts come up and even, you know, parody accounts. Uh, there was this one called Resave Zilker again um, that was kind of making fun of one of the sides. And, you know, it's weird to see all of these people get in for something that, you know, it might not be, you know, the biggest deal to some people. Because I think, you know, policing, housing, affordability, those are the stuff that I think people, you know, you think are really, really going to be important to people. And so I definitely think it's interesting to see how, you um, how much people care about Zilker Park. You know, I love the park, but, you know, it's not something I've ever thought that people were willing to, you know, fight for this way. And so it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, both sides. And I think, you know, reading the plan, there's obviously some things that I think I can see why people are getting angry. You know, the parking lot, you know, obviously like a, I don't know how many stories it's going to be, but I think it's going to be a couple stories. And so four, three, four stories. And so, They've got one planned, potentially three more planned. And so I think, you know, obviously parking garages, those are ugly. They're objectively ugly. It's just a big concrete thing. I, I can see why that is making some people angry. Um, as well as kind of the additions to the Great Lawn. Uh, I think when people think of Ilker, they think of that Great Lawn and just how wonderful it is to just go out there. And so, you know, adding, potentially adding a theater in there or, um, you know, a place game. I can see why that, that kind of is a little bit... Um, nerve-wracking or scary to some people, as well as um, the kind of umbrella nonprofit and what that means. Um, obviously, Ticketmaster has been in the news for a lot of things recently. Um, you know, as someone who really wanted to go see Taylor Swift, I was right there in that that Ticketmaster bloodbath. Me too. Um, didn't, get, didn't get tickets, but um, no, I, so I can understand why there's disdain towards Ticketmaster. It's like they're charging you an arm and a leg to go see some of your favorite artists, and sometimes you don't even get tickets. Wait, so, wait, was it Ticketmaster or was Live Nation? Ticketmaster and Live Nation are like buddies. Oh, very good. Yeah. So um, world. Yeah. So so I can I can see why that stuff, you know, the corporate kind of greed idea coming into the park. Um, but yeah, Wendy, what are your thoughts on this? It's definitely uh, it's I it's crazy, like because it feels like it's like you said, there's two sides of it, but I think that's a very it's a spectrum of just different opinions for how you want to look. It's kind of like, even within a family, you want to organize a room in a certain way. Uh, do you actually want this to go there? It's, there's just so many parts to the, the the vision plan that it's just, I think, just natural that there's disagreements on certain things. And uh, But there's definitely, it's been interesting to see the mobilization 
against division plan and even to the extent of misinforming uh, the public on it. So it's kind of like, what even is the truth? And so far, it's actually reading the whole document and staying informed of what actually is going in it instead of a kind of relying on visuals or maybe some propaganda uh that it could yeah, some would yeah. say some would some say yeah. yes and it's it's almost a 300 page document maybe maybe yeah. longer and so I know reading that took me two days and I I, I you know, that was like my job like I was doing it for work and so I can imagine that some people who you know don't work in politics or aren't you know super passionate about this aren't going to read it they're going to rely on those resources and I think you know even with voting a lot of people rely on voter guides and yeah. and we trust those you know very almost blindly sometimes. And so I think um, it's it's a little bit weird because we want to trust those resources. Um, but yeah, if you if you have the time, I recommend giving it a little bit of a read. Um, it's pretty interesting as to how it'll affect the park. Um, but there's some cool stuff in there as well, some stuff that might be a little bit contentious. And I would add too, we don't have a, uh, a uh, an interest, a monetary client interest in this plan, vision plan right now in any kind of way. Uh, we like to stay apprised what's going on in the community. So with, with Hannah was talking about reading the document, we're, there was nothing for work, but it was more to make sure we're just on top of what is of note in the city for if uh, engagement should happen. But I agree, yeah. like people don't just, and that's, it just, it's, you know, people don't read. It, I mean, it's not a knock on anyone else, like a 300 page document. You look at, you know, ordinances, bills, you know, just, it's a lot. Um, and a lot of times people rely on folks like us to, disseminate or digest and, you know, analyze information. And I think kind of want to tie into, you know, to talking about lobbyists. One of the things though, that why, why people hire us is to watch issues like the issues like that, but also to be both for our clients and for the folks we have to communicate with one way or another about that issue, to be honest brokers where they stand and to read those facts. Right. So it's, but this is a good example for anyone who maybe hasn't been a council watcher for, you know, for any other reason it's an interesting one to to watch because you're seeing all sides of it. It'll when we come back when council reconvenes later this month. I'm sorry, next well, later next month in late July. We're already can't believe it's almost it's almost July. Um, you'll see it. It's an interesting one to watch if you're ever wanted wanted to watch this council and how the public engages with council and also just how the how how the council and the different you know, uh, boards and commissions are, are work to make policy, right? It's not a one, one off thing. It's not a, you know, there's no fix. I don't have any of this thing, uh, on this. It's going to be a, you know, a stakeholder, you know, at least a very focused stakeholder discussion around this to reach, well, we'll see if they end up actually implementing the plan or not, but you know, it's, it's, last thing on that, just, it, it'll be a good thing. To, it's a good, um, for those who never watched counts before, it's a it's a good time to start watching if you want something to be interested, interesting to see. Yeah, and um, the last note on the Zilker Vision Plan, the Environmental Commission recommended the Zilker Vision Plan along with a list of conditions. So uh, I think a lot of the community is getting some of the stuff they wanted. So you know that that protesting is working, um, and so the commission recommended that um, you know more um, design and implementation phases. Implement, implementation phases are in the plan. So, you know, um, you know, doing some studies about how it's going to potentially affect the environment, um, how it's going to potentially infect uh, the Austin blind salamander habitat. Um, they live around in and around Barton Springs, um, as well as working with TxDOT and the Central Texas Regional Mobility Authority regarding parking. 
Um, and so that looks like they're kind of trying to potentially move away from the parking garage, but obviously it's still got a few commissions um, and council to go through before it is even approved. So we will see how this ends up um, looking. Yeah, and then on the horizon, we've got some great stuff for council. They're going to be finding a permanent city manager. And, and I say permanent in, in quotes because it'll, it won't be forever, maybe five, five to 10 years. Um, you know, I think doing, I did some research just cause I got curious about how long city managers last and, you know, in like Nashville, Phoenix, you know, cities kind of similar to us, they're lasting like typically less than 10 years. Um, most of the time it's like a five year rotation. And I think we've seen that in Austin. They kind of, they kind of all go. And so it was definitely interesting to see though, that, you know, city manager isn't necessarily a job you do for the rest of your life. Um, which I think was interesting for me to know. Yeah, well, a um, caveat too, Gar, you know, inter interim city manager Garza, as we said on, on prior shows, I mean, he did go the full, I think a full the full freight. He was city manager, he was, a, he was his first time as city manager, permit city manager was in the early 90s, like 92 to 2002. Um, and then he he retired after that, um, you know, ended up into the private sector. But he went, I, I think 10 years as city manager in a, in a growing city that definitely has a lot of political discourse because this is he he was he was he managing the the s the save our springs era which is very very contentious for the time and actually we're you know it ripples to what's going on with zilka right now yeah and and i think you know we'll we'll find that that next guy to be our our permanent not interim city manager. person person yes person um, and so they're going to start that search for the next city manager. But I think, you know, looking back to the previous city manager search, um, when we we got Spencer Cronk back in what, like 2017, 2018, I think one of the biggest issues with that was just um, community engagement. I think a lot of the community and journalists um, felt that there was stuff being kept secrets from them. And, um, you know, there was obviously reasons for that. You know, you don't want to release the names of these candidates because then suddenly the community is like, potentially scaring them off or, you know, reaching out to them. And so I think there's a reason to keep, you know, the names kind of hush hush for a little bit. You don't want to release all 30 names. Um, so I can understand that. But I also think, you know, um, the last time they made a decision to use an outside um, vendor to find the city manager that hadn't really done any public sector executive searches yet. And so I'm definitely curious to kind of see you know, who they use potentially for this and kind of how they do this, as well as the community engagement aspect of this. No, I agree. Go ahead, Wendy. I was going to say, yeah, kind of like uh, Watson laid out in the, the message board for the city council message board, how the whole process, uh, like it's, he like highlighted how it's too important to rush and they're going to take their time to make sure that the person who has chosen uh, to lead the city and uh, become city manager uh, just kind of embodies kind of what like what the city needs. Uh, and yeah, it's it's also going to be like, I'm also curious to see uh, who they choose to conduct that in August. And um, yeah, it's the timeline uh, that he put out. It's, if it all goes to plan, uh, we should have a new city manager next September uh, 2024. Yeah, so um, Garza will definitely be in here for at least um, another, what, year? At least so, two, yeah, two budget cycles. I yeah, two budget. Way. So, um, you know, I think he's he's done a great job holding down the fort. Um, so so definitely we're lucky to have him currently just, just keeping things running. But, um, yeah, well, Watson um, 
outline suggested that uh, a request for proposal is going to come out for that search form by the end of July. Obviously, um, you know, they say it'll come out by the end of July. That might come out early August, maybe even later. So if you are um, interested in potentially being a vendor on that or working with the city to be an executive search form, definitely keep a look on look out for that. And always we're here to answer questions about any of that stuff. Yeah, definitely excited to see what will happen with that. And then additionally, as well as having to um, find a permanent city manager, the city's got some regular business to do, which is the budget. And so they return from their summer recess on July 18th for a work session. And then I believe the next day we get um, the city manager's proposed budget. And so it's all going to kind of kick off immediately as they get back into their seats. And so that budget cycle will begin happening and we'll start seeing, you know, um, all the city departments, you know, do presentations and kind of advocate and, you know, lightly lobby for uh, money in their budget. And so definitely going to um, potentially be a fun budget cycle. I think, you know, there's a lot of um, organizations in the city that potentially need more money, um, as well as just kind of seeing how um, related to the issues with staffing across the entire city, how they're going to address that. I know the um, city manager, as well as the assistant city manager said, you know, if a position hasn't been filled for two years, take it out of the budget. You know, it's not it's obviously like you've been functioning without it for two years. Like, I think you can continue to go on it. So um, definitely kind of, I think, curious to see how the, you know, leadership is going to function with the budget and how they're going to kind of make decisions as well as, you know, how that's going to affect department relationships. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's coming very quickly. Um, on July 26th, the um, council received public comment on the proposed budget. And then August 16th, 17th, and 18th, they will take up the budget approval. So we've got a very, very quick turnaround from July 18th um, to August. And so it's going to be very, very busy and filled with lots of fun council meetings. No, for yeah, sure. Any, then uh, you go ahead. Any other thoughts on the budget? I know that's definitely a um, big, big fun thing coming up soon. Now, I mean, I'll be interested to see how the process goes. Um, yeah, we had we had what three budgets under cycles under under former city manager Spencer Kronk. Had a good sense of you know how that process was going to flow. I think with it's, I think it's more. It's I'll be less surprised with the dollars. It's more just the process and how they're going to run it. But if it's anything like a council meeting's been run, it'll be very quick and efficient. I'm predicting they'll they'll finish the budget and vote on it even though they have a three day window to do it, I think they'll get it done on the first day and the 16th. That would be very, very cool. <laughs> but, Most, um, but even the past years, I don't think it went past. It might've gone to the second day just for little things, but I think by last year, they were pretty tight on just how they were proceeding with budget amendments and those things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that kind of wraps up what happened in the political world around council and the city of Austin. But, um, Obviously, there's a major heat wave coming. I don't know if y'all have been outside recently, but it is toasty. Um, so definitely, you know, Travis County officials have recently warned to stay hydrated, stay cool, and stay safe. Um, and there's also a lot of resources for um, those who may need to kind of, you know, step inside for a moment. So Cat Metro is um, using buses, cooling centers. So you can hop on one if you need that. Um, I, I know, like, my AC went out last week, so I was... Um, going to coffee shops, went to my parents' house, just anything to stay cool. Um, so grateful the city's offering those resources, but um, you know, stay cool. All of the um, city pools are open as well. 
you know, head out to Deep Eddy or Barton Springs and uh, yeah, definitely stay safe out there. Um, keep your dog safe, keep those paws safe. And yeah, that's all I've got. Anyone else got anything to say? Oh yeah, you, it is scorching hot. Um, I mean, I know all of us are raised in Austin uh, and just, this is just, I mean, I know Texas is hot, but it's just extreme, just hundred, like three digit numbers. And uh, I only like seeing these numbers in school for free. So <laughs> yeah. I really do not like this heat. So again, like you said, like Cap Metro, like it's such a beautiful initiative to keep people safe. Um, and uh, if you don't have money or the means to pay for a ride there, like Cap Metro will, is like covering it. So okay. just ask the, the, the uh, driver to drop you off at the cooling center before you take your seat and um, yeah, and parks, city parks and libraries have been, have all been turned, or most of them have been turned into cooling centers. So yeah, stay safe out there, y'all. Drink lots of water. Lots of water. Uh, try to get your stuff done before the sun's out or wait till sundown. Be helpful. But uh, no, just stay, yeah, stay cool, y'all. Um, with that, I'm going to close the show out. And uh, Hannah and Wendy, I think our guests look forward to hearing more of your voices of mine and going forward. I'll be popping in from time to time, though. And y'all have a great weekend. Yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to the BG Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG Podcast is a product of the Bingham Group, LLC, an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P dot com. And for the latest firm news and content updates, follow us on LinkedIn. We'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you.